Sky Karumba. How would you organize all of the stars in our sky? By color? By distance? Maybe by size? Many astronomers organize them by brightness. Hipparchus is the first known to do that. About 129 BC, he considered the brightest to be the biggest. He called them stars of first magnitude. Naturally, he then called the second brightest stars second magnitude. He kept going until he reached the sixth brightest stars. Stars of sixth magnitude were the dimmest. Hipparchus's rankings are convenient, but not perfect. About A.D. 140, it was clear to Claudius Ptolemy that some stars are brighter than others within each magnitude class. But rather than redo Hipparchus's work, Ptolemy simply included notes about that. For European astronomers, that was a good enough way of doing things for nearly 15 centuries. The first big revision came when Galileo Galilei pointed a telescope at the sky and discovered there's more to it than meets the naked eye. Seeing stars that could be seen only with a telescope, he proposed in 1610 that they be regarded as being of the seventh magnitude. Then, more powerful telescopes with better lenses revealed even more stars. As astronomers extended magnitudes out to eighth and ninth, they maintained first through sixth for those that they could see without telescopes. Next, scientists learned to measure brightness objectively and far more accurately than the human eye and brain perceive it. However, it took a while for astronomers to stop subjectively ranking star brightnesses. Sometimes they disagreed, and then in 1856, Norman Pogson developed a mathematical way of doing it. Deciding that a first magnitude star shines with exactly 100 times as much light as a sixth magnitude star, he developed a formula that enables precise magnitude calculations such as 1.0, 1.4, or 3.6. The system works well beyond sixth magnitude. The Hubble Space Telescope has imaged objects of magnitude 31.5. Pogson's system is a little bit arbitrary because he had to decide which star was 100 times as bright as whichever other star and therefore which got a magnitude of 1.0 and which got 6.0. And he wasn't totally loyal to the Hipparchan range. He kept the dimmest naked eye stars at magnitude 6, but the brightest night sky stars are more than 100 times that bright. So, stars of magnitude 1 aren't the brightest anymore. Some have magnitudes close to 0. Sirius, the brightest night star, has a magnitude of minus 1.5, which is 1,000 times as bright as magnitude 6.0. Today's astronomers apply the calculation to other objects also. Venus can be almost as bright as minus 5. The full moon gets to around minus 13. And the sun? Almost minus 27. The system is counterintuitive, I know. One expects a higher measurement to mean a brighter star. Yet Vega, which sounds like it shouldn't shine any light at all at magnitude 0.0, is brighter than magnitude 2.0 Polaris. Hopefully, it makes more sense now that I've explained that measures of magnitude are being retrofitted onto orders of magnitude.
this week, Venus moves into Leo, going by Regulus. The planet and the star are closest on the 21st. It keeps on going. Meanwhile, Mars is right of them in the west in the evening sky just after sunset. It's approaching Regulus, but it's going slowly compared to Venus. Give it until next week, and those two will meet up. Saturn and Jupiter are rising earlier in the evening. A full moon approaches Saturn on the 23rd and has passed the planet by the evening of the 24th on its way to Jupiter. The moon is just past full when it's closest to Jupiter on the 25th. More of Orion is visible rising in the morning. You may be able to spot Mercury a bit left of the hunter. You can follow Sky Carumba on Twitter and Facebook and find out about some of the things happening in the sky. And also, you can interact with me on there to let me know what you think about the podcast. Sky Carumba.